Right, uh, good evening guys, everyone, welcome to the online tennis podcast with myself, Gavin, and my co-host. It's me, it's me Jack. Yeah, for once we've sort of done the voices in the other way around, because Jack is uh, hungover and being all... <laughs> that's not why, that's not why I'm playing. I just want to take one wee shot of as well, so... <laughs> There we go. Yeah. Episode How twenty nine. Episode twenty nine. Yes. Episode yeah. 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 Got to say that. Yeah. Um, it's not because I'm hungover. I am. My brain is working fine. I am a little hungover, but that's besides the point. I just. Um, I, I haven't seen quite as much tennis as Gav this week, so he he's willing to take the reins. So we should, yeah, should sure. be fine in the The avid ATP two fifty fanboy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like poster boy. Poster boy for the two fifty two. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, what have we got? Yeah. What two fifties are we covering, Gav? got three ATP 250s this week no more in the merrier so we've got uh, Pune we've got Montpellier and we've got Cordova so we will cover that as well as Del Potro announcement and Andy Murray's announcement as well over the fact that he's going to prioritise Wimbledon over Roland Garros so we're going to start off with the big story of the week which was Juan Martin Del Potro's retirement announcement last night at a press conference sort of came out of the blue very sad news. Uh, obviously, a great player for so many years. Big staple of my tennis watching growing up. And um, what did you think? Did we expect that announcement? Did you think it was going to happen? Or were you sort of shocked like I was? I was mega shocked. Mm. One of the things he'd been saying up to the, the announcement, I, you know, just kept seeing it everywhere. It was like, never give up yep. in your dreams, man. Like, you know, I'm, I, if, if, if kids want to take inspiration... For me, you know, I'd be so proud because I, I want to be the the guy who inspires them to never give up and what you want to do. And then it's like a few days later, he's done. I I just like I could not have seen that coming ever because I just thought he's going to be on tour. Yeah, there was so much positivity, wasn't there, during the week that when he announced his comeback, everyone was like, "Oh yes, he's going to come back. This is going to be the beginning of an Andy yeah. Murray style journey, and we're going to all have you know great times throughout the year following how he gets." For on. A guy, I mean, everybody universally across the world, I think, loves Delpo. I don't, I don't know any tennis fan who doesn't love Delpo. He's like one of those, you know, he's like Monfils. Can't think of anybody else. Monfils Delpo, at least. Not even Federer. People, some people don't like Federer. Definitely, yeah, I think I mean, those two players. Though everybody loves Monfils and Delpo. So yeah, really, really sad news. Yeah, devastating, obviously. Um, and to sort of commemorate the Del Potro announcement, I have a, I've come up with a Del Potro quiz. And for once, I Gav's getting his own back. Once I get to have Gav. my own back and sort of have my wee Richard Osman ten minutes of fame, <laughs> uh, so I can even use the catchphrase of "How did you do at home?" Uh, to all the listeners, I'm looking, <laughs> nice, forward, like looking forward to using that a lot. So. Settled into the role. <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've already settled in. I'm proper enjoying this now, actually. So anyway, <laughs> we'll start off with a Del Potro quiz. So it's 10 questions, okay? Uh, 10 questions. Okay, okay. We've got bonus points for some in regards to match scores, whatever. So we're going to start. It's getting edited. If I get zero, it's getting edited. <laughs> oh, don't, don't worry. I mean, I'm sure you'll... There's, some there's a few gimmies. There. I mean, there's, there's some ones related to Andy in there as well that I've sort of done to sort of help you out a wee bit. Yeah, we'll start off with question one. So during... His famous US Open win in 2009. Del Potro is mm-hmm. best known for beating Rafael Nadal in the semi-finals, followed by Roger Federer in the final. But who did he beat in mm-hmm. the quarterfinals? Might need to take an L already. I I think it's kind of a guess. Roddick rings a bell. Not Roddick. Not Roddick. No. Okay. Um. Okay. One more guess, but I think I've got it wrong. No, Bandian. Wrong. It, no. Go the on. answer. I can even give you a clue, and you'll get it immediately. It's uh, a favorite of the podcast. A favourite of this podcast. Oh, challenge, yes. challenge. And that's why you've got, to, you've got to include Baron. 
whenever you can include me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that. I like that level of question, Gav. That was good. Yeah, I was, I was sort of happy with myself though when I came up with that one. I thought that is a pretty good one. It's all going to go downhill from here, but uh, it was a good start. <laughs> it's all going to go downhill from now, actually. The second question is Del Potro has won 22 singles titles in his career. How many of these are Grand Slams, Masters 1000, ATP 500, and ATP 250? So there's four points in offer here. Oh, the full split. Yeah, there's, there's four points in offer, so it's one per level of tournament. Right. So one and one. I know he's won yep. one, thing, one Masters two. and one Slam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 250-500 split is tough. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think he's got a fair share of... 500. So like he's a, mm. you know, he's he, he wins big titles. Mm-hmm. Maybe besides the very biggest ones, but you know, he's he's won big titles in his career. I I'm gonna say nine eleven. So nine what? Nine five hundreds, eleven two fifties. Damn, you've got it right. You've got it correct. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go back in the game. Mm. I'm pretty. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought that was maybe a thirty second. Let me think about it. Sort of Instead, it's been three seconds of I've nailed it. That sort of left me dumbfounded a wee bit. I oh, like yeah. that one. I like. I like that oh, get there. Yeah. That was good. I thought I was going to actually get my own back here. I might not. Um, question number three: Before winning Indian Wells in 2018, Del Potro had reached the final on one previous occasion. What year was this for the first point? Second point: mm-hmm. Who defeated him? And if you're a bonus point, I know you like your stats. What was the score mm-hmm. of the match? Three points in offer. I'm struggling for the year here, but I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll get it in a second, maybe. But Rafa, you got, Rafa no, 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 yeah, yeah, it was Rafa, it was Rafa, it was Rafa, it was Rafa, and I think the score was it was definitely three sets. Mm-hmm. It was a very good match, actually, from what I remember. I might be struggling on the score though. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something like six three Rafa middle set, mm-hmm. or was he a set up? The Portugal was a set up, no? yeah. It was a set up. Mm-hmm. So was he, was it six four in the first set? Yeah, it was. Oh no! She just needed the final set. What was the score in the final set? That it was. It went deep. I'm pretty sure. Oh no! Did it? Was it six? Ooh, uh, did it? Did nah, it? I can't get that. I think so. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess at six three. You're one game out. Six four. Ah, goddamn it! But what was the year? What was the year? The year I I I think it could have been two thousand and nine. Nope. Twenty thirteen. No. 2013. 13? Oh, shit. Well, I was way off. Yeah, I, I so definitely did not remember that. marginally got my own back there, but not, not quite. We've got time to make the ground up. So question four. Aside from the gold medal match at Rio 2016, Murray and Del Pocho have played in one ATP final. Which year and what event was this? And there's also a bonus point for the correct score. So don't worry about the bonus <laughs> point. I don't think you'll get the bonus point, but... um. Which year and which ATP event was it? It was a final of an ATP event. It was a Masters. It was a Masters. It was a Masters and Andy won in straight sets. Um, did he still? Did, I thought he did. Did he? Maybe I'm wrong. It was probably Miami or Cincinnati. Um, what do you think at home? Just... What do you think at home? <laughs> I'm just going to have to guess. I think I think it's it's... 2009. It is 2009. And I, th- I think it's Miami. Nope. Same letter of the alphabet was Montreal. Montreal. Yep. And yeah. who won? Yeah. Uh, Andy, Andy Yes, won. and what was the, if you can try for the bonus point? I think it was straight sets. I, mean, I don't, I think you're, I don't okay. know if you're trying to prank me. Have I been bluffing? Well, I've not been bluffing. It was 6776661 to Andy. Uh... So. 
knew yeah. very close sets and uh I knew there was tie breaks. Yeah, a, a not very close set. Question five, Duffer. this is one that's doable. I think you're gonna get this one as well. Del Potro has mm-hmm. come back from two sets of love down once in his Grand Slam career. What was the year and who was the opponent? It's tough when you're under the cost. It is. Right? It's like Mastermind. It's like a really low-budget yeah. version of Mastermind without the lights and the music. Right, I'm ruling it Australia. Um, I think I'm ruling it Wimbledon as well. Wait, 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 wait. Say the, say the question again. Say the question again. <laughs> Say the question okay. again. Del Potro came back from two sets of love down once in his Grand Slam career. Which, what oh, was shit. the year? In grand, yeah, in yeah, in Grand Slam opponent. career. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I remembered one mm. against Chilich, but that was um, not Grand Slam. Uh, yeah, that was Davis Cup. Marin, Marin Sorry, wouldn't bottle in the Grand Slam. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Uh, maybe it was recently. I think I'm, I'm casting my mind too far back. Maybe it was only five or so years ago, possibly. I can um, remember... I can remember watching a wee bit of it specifically uh, oh i got it i got it i got it i did need to hum and haw for a long time but i got it it's team at the u.s open yes it was team at the u.s yes. open well done what was the round no, but this isn't for a point just to see if you know which round it was i think it was the four friends it was and uh, he was six one six two down in the opening two sets yeah. before winning six one seven six six four and he saved match points i didn't say the year actually did i it was 2017 it was 2017 and he saved match yeah. points in the fourth set as well <clears throat> coming back yeah. from 5-2 down I remember that well because I was watching it sort of marginally hung over at 1 in the morning during Freshers Week kind of thinking what the hell am I watching right now probably one of the biggest comebacks of all time in terms of like lopsided first two sets yeah it was, inc- it was incredible I, I actually I think I started yeah. watching it in the third set and I thought like what the hell's going on with Elpo here I mean yeah it's done <laughs> but no great great comeback that one was I, um, yeah, one of the great matches yeah. of the US Open in recent times I'd say so definitely Moving on to question six, you're over halfway through the ordeal. Mm-hmm. So Del Potro's last ATP final came at the 2018 China Open. Who defeated him in the mm-hmm. final? I think Basilashvili. It was Basilashvili. Well done. That was, okay. that, was nice. that was very well done, actually. Uh, yeah, good, good. I'm glad I grasped that from I was, somewhere. I was just quite out of nowhere. You just came up with it. Um, <clears throat> Right, Bill. Well, number seven. This is an easy <laughs> yeah. one. I, I was too kind in this one. Um, had mercy on you. Uh, Del Potro reached the final Donito ATP finals once in his career. What was the year uh-huh. and who was the opponent? Uh, he only made it once. The final. Okay. I'm talking about the final. Oh, the final. Oh, yeah, the final. Yeah, final. yeah, of course, of course. Um, uh, 2009. Yes, that's the year. I think. I was thinking yeah. that. And I think it was Dav or no band Davidenko no band. I'll stick with Davidenko. It was yeah, six, yes, three six Come. four in the final. And uh, okay. Del Potro okay. played the first match at the O two. Interesting fact for you against Murray in two thousand nine. First ever singles match played at the O two. So fun fact. Was oh really? Useless. Yeah, I remember watching it quite yeah, well. Yeah, no, no. Um, cool. Didn't know that. Number eight. What is Del Potro's career high ranking, and in what year did he achieve this? Three. Yes. And 2018? Yes, August 2018. Nice. Wow. You've breezed okay. through the last couple. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm getting get my emotion back of it. <clears throat> but my favourite, my, <laughs> favorite, my most random question still to come. But before the <laughs> random question, the, the second last question is, what is Del Potro's well-known nickname? The Tower of Tango. Yeah, damn. Yeah. Too mm-hmm. here. Yeah, <laughs> I've wasted my opportunity here. No, no, I mean they've been hard questions. Still time for 
final question, which is possibly the one which I think is probably the most useless fact of information in tennis history. Um, I like this. Juan Martín del Potro and Andy Murray famously had an argument in Rome in 2008. Who was the chair umpire for the match? I think... Uh, kind of clutching at straws here, but it could be Fergus Murphy. It was Fergus Murphy. <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good stretch. Yeah. Happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember him going, "I'll handle this, Andy." Yeah, he did it. This. It was like Andy, let me handle it. Can't even do an yeah. accent, but it was quite funny. Um, yeah. So yeah, well done. What was that? What do you know what it was out of? I don't actually. I, d- I didn't. Uh, well, I think, I think I think I dropped five points. So wherever it's out of. You yeah, did well. You did well. You did well. Um, I'll t- I'll, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah um, I need to get another quiz for you. I need to make it harder next week. <laughs> or when I think that's a good level. Obviously, our listeners need to get a few answers right to make themselves feel good too. So yeah, that was, I think uh, that's, that's a good level. Oh, oh, quickly, before we move on, Gav, you've just said uh, you've got that down. Do, do you want to quickly do a wee favourite Del Potro yes, match? Yes, yes. So I'm just noticing that. Yeah. yeah. Favourite match moment. What's your favourite Del Potro match? My favourite Del Potro match might be him against Federer in Indian Wells in 2018. You've nicked mine. Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same That's class. It was. Such a good match. Saving the match point the way he did. Um, and I guess... It's Two ma- three, ma- three match points. Three match, three match points, points, yeah. But I remember one in, All one in, in Federer's serve. One in particular where he had the forehand winner. Um, yes. I remember. Yeah. That was... That was just held it, held it for a second. I think is it the one maybe passes him, or maybe it's a different. It was one? the passing shot one, yeah. It was passing shot, absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, it's good. And again, I, I think with Del Potro, everyone talks about the old nine match, but you got to remember that twenty eighteen was after he had so many injury problems. Um, yeah, exactly. It was a massive it deal, a like, deal for him to come back and do that. It was beaten Federer. The, the crowd than... obviously all rooting for Federer as well. Um, Honestly, a bit of an underrated comeback because he'd just done it so many times mm. before. But seriously, the guy. Come, came back and got a career high ranking, you know, number three, made it to the final of US, yep. won a Masters for the first time in his career. Yep. Mental. Incredible. Yeah, that was my favourite moment and um, favourite match. Maybe also just a bonus one. Mm-hmm. I really liked the Rome match he had against Djokovic. Yeah, that, that was phenomenal two, as well. Years ago? Yeah. 2019, maybe? 2019 it was, yeah. It was yeah. Friday, yeah, quarterfinal. I remember it well, randomly. Um, I loved that match. I loved it. I hadn't seen a good match in a while. I don't know why. I, and I just felt like that. And I remember thinking, "That's oh, this is re-inspiring me. It's absolutely amazing. So good." Yeah, you lost that match. He did lose that match, lessons. but it was like one of those ones which, like, he deserved to win it because he played that well. You know, it was sort of yeah, yeah. It's like it's sort of similar point. to the Nadal one at Wimbledon actually in twenty eighteen. He played so well in that one, but oh just my god, get over the line. There's so many Del Potro ones, isn't there? So many great moments yeah. he's contributed to, and um. Obviously, we hope it's not the end for him, but it looks like it could be the end of his career, which is obviously... You know, if he wins the title, maybe... But then he might... I was thinking about that earlier today, but then I thought he might think that's the perfect way to go out, you know, winning the title, Mm -hmm. which I sort of hope not. But, um, yeah, it's certainly certainly a um, chance that could happen. So, moving on from Del Porto, we're going to go to the first of our three ATP 250 events this week, and it was Pune. Obviously, it was without fans for the first part of the week, but then I think from the quarterfinals onwards, they allowed sort of small sections of the crowd to sort of filter back through. They're still having Omicron restrictions over there in India. Very interesting week. People were sort of talking about the start of the week, saying the, the lineup was not particularly strong in terms of ranking. Aslan Karatsev was the top seed. Musetti was the second seed. 
But other than that, there was not really any big names involved in the draw. So it was sort of maybe people perceived it as being a chance for Mercedes to win his first ATP title or Carrot Sev to build on his incredible title run in Sydney. Yeah, it was an interesting week. Uh, first of all, first point that we can talk about is Carrot Sev losing in the opening round to Elias Ema. Uh, 7-6-6-2. Carrot Sev did not start the match particularly well. 6-2-7-6, sorry. Carrot Sev did not start the match particularly well. Just did not look... I saw... So, so I, I obviously still absorb information mm. even when I've not seen matches, but I saw a lot of people say Karat Sev played potentially the worst match of his career. Yeah. People were saying it seems harsh. I think it was a bit hard. For, for Ema, you've got to give Ema credit. I mean, Ema was playing some yeah. fantastic stuff. Um, really took advantage of Karat Sev not being at his top level, but even if Karat Sev was at his top level, I think Ema would have given him a good... Uh, match in that one. Yeah, Emo was phenomenal from the back of the court. Karatsev made a lot of unforced errors, um, sort of similar to not as many as the Manorino and Munar matches in Australia, but um, <laughs> certainly it was sort of like a three-set version of that. He just could not find his form and obviously yeah. pushed Emo close in the second set, but Emo played very well in the tie break, so could be a bit of fatigue post-Australian Open, I think, maybe. You see, yeah. there's been sort of a link to that this week, as we'll find out in Montpellier. Monfils obviously went out. He had actually a worse defeat. Uh, he lost in under an hour to Elias Ema's brother, Mikhail Ema. One and two. One and two. Yeah, he was getting booed off the court yeah. as well. So, not oh, not poo, quite that for Carrickson. Come on. Who boos Monfils? What kind of sick bastard boos Monfils? Come oh, on. Unreal. Especially after the run he had in Australia. But anyway, yeah, so disappointing for Karatsev, but it could be just fatigue post-Australian Open. I'm actually surprised that he played, being honest. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Let, let's, let's give Karatsev a break because he's, he's, he's the hottest, coldest player on the tour. I, I was going to say a bit more on Emer. Mm. Um, what when was it? Elias? It was Elias. I think yep. it was Elias. Yeah, but both of them are quite similar players. I, I think Elias maybe has the, the bigger peaks, mm. definitely. So he may, maybe more potential from... Elias's game. I actually don't know if I've mixed them up there, to be honest. It's one both, or the other. They're both similar. I mean, they both have similar styles when you watch them. I think Mikhail's had more experience in the tour. Before this, Elias's best run was at a semi-final in a challenger last summer. So right. Mikhail's had more on-tour experience and uh, made his first tour final last year in Winston-Salem. Uh, as well as that, he made the semis in Gestad as well. So... Right, yeah, he he's starting to do stuff. I know he was really good at the Davis Cup as well. I'm sure he got a few uh, good wins there. I'm pretty sure the two of them did. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, it's good. I mean, it was sort of Emer Saturday. The US Open used to have Super Saturday, but it was Emer Saturday this week because it was like they were both playing <laughs> yeah. semi-finals. So, um, that is cool. Well, it was good yeah, for it's quite nice to see. Big up the, Heartwarming story. Big up the ATP 250s, uh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, a narrative and for the 250s to actually latch exactly, on yeah. Brilliant. Uh, Musetti. Musetti, yes. So, Musetti... Again, second seed, I thought this was a good chance for him to win his first title. Especially the fact that there was not as many fans and during the week I thought he might be able to sort of knuckle down, get his head down. But he lost in the quarterfinals to Emil Rusevuri. And I thought, just to sort of touch on briefly, he sort of struggled with his emotions in the court, especially towards the end of the third set. Obviously he was getting frustrated, but it was sort of similar to what we saw sort of in the next-gen finals, I thought. He was sort of struggling to sort of... You know, he was, he was out too outwardly sort of showing his negative emotions for me. He was getting down, disappointed, shouting and all that. And Rusevuri at the other end of the court was just the total opposite, you know, really calm, composed. Yeah. You couldn't really tell what he was thinking. It was sort of similar to Ojala, I seen how he sort of, he doesn't yeah. let frustration get to him. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like, I think Musetti, he's a very talented player. Obviously, we've not really seen him do it out with the clay courts, to be fair. I think, yeah, just I think he just needs to develop sort of... Um, 
what's the way word? Maybe mentally, just try and not show his emotions as much as his opponent, because especially at the tough moments at yeah. the end of that match, he was getting quite down in himself. Yeah, and I, I mean, he's, he's the sort of player that's very prone to spikes, definitely. Yeah. And we have seen that a lot in the past. You know, he can kind of talk himself out of playing a good match. Mm-hmm. Had a few garbage losses last year. You know, obviously the match against. Djokovic was a, a match of his own, you know, that was physical issues, but mm. he, certainly after that he kind of spiralled a wee bit and he had a bunch of matches where he couldn't constitute the whole match. One in, um, in Sofia in particular comes to mind against Bulgarian bloke. I can't remember his name <laughs> off the top of my head. Sorry, terrible. Um, but yeah, if you, if you watch the match, he just looked like he wasn't himself and I'm sure that sort of thing's still going on for him. So it'll be good to see him collect his head. It was Kuzminov who lost it. Kuzminov, Sofia. yeah. I remember doing predictions yes, yeah. for that match. I had to Google Kuzminov just because I hadn't seen any of the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, neither had I at the time. You didn't need yeah. to follow the challenge two or more. It's, it's, segue into Rusevori mm-hmm. as the man who beat Musetta there. Rusevori is a, a fantastic player. I don't, I've, I've always thought that. So certainly, anecdotally, just quickly, he played at the Glasgow Cup, mm. one of a challenger in, in our hometown. Um, and. My parents had the opportunity to see him live. Uh-huh. They said they hadn't seen anybody hit a forehand uh, as big as that sort of in person before. Yeah, well, I was very impressed with him all week. I think um, actually watching him earlier in the season in Australia, um, Sydney in particular, you know, against Rafa, he played. Well, not Sydney, it wasn't Sydney. It was Adelaide, wasn't it? Or was it Melbourne? Yeah. Which one? No, it was Sydney. It was, was Sydney. Pretty sure. Well, no, it was Melbourne. It was Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, right. It was Melbourne. It was Melbourne. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it was a broadly very good match. Yeah, he played a very good match against Rafa, and um, he beat Alcaraz in Miami last year as well. Okay, the match. Well, the match recently that obviously should be admirable for me is that is the most kind of this guy could be the next big thing was the match against Alcaraz. I've seen. Uh, obviously, yep. didn't quite uh, see that out. He won the more points, the most points in the match against the Canadian. He was fantastic. Uh, most of the time, it was kind of just the bigger moments that he, he couldn't deliver, and that was it. And that's just you know, he's got the game, isn't it? That's just what he needs yeah, to his, his forehand is genuinely like one of the biggest on tour. Seriously, seriously good. Certainly yeah, is. it's really, really good. That could take him places definitely. I don't think we've seen loads of players mm. uh, recently that that have a, a weapon as scary as that definitely uh, coming up. So, yes, yeah, it's good stuff. absolutely. And uh, obviously, <clears throat> in the final, Rusevori was playing Zhao Souza, who a big favourite of mine. Don't know how you rate him, but I think just because he's sort of like that player, yeah. it's like it's, it's like he's solid in every single area of his game. He might not have a big weapon, but he's sort of like you look at him, you think that is a professional tennis player. He's like top 50, solid, will very rarely have a howler on court until obviously yeah, he had yeah, yeah, yeah. it always makes people beat him kind of Batista Agu yeah in sort of Batista ways, the, the, the Portuguese Batista Agu yeah yeah not, not, not really not really it doesn't play a super steady game at the same time he still goes for the shots definitely but yeah he's, he's very very he's solid difficult very to solid and yeah. um, he'd been struggling for form over the past couple of years and um, yeah but obviously that goes to show you know his his um, not being in form was being outside the top 100 I mean the guy being a member of the top 100 for Ages, yep. ages. He's back you know, up to, to 86 now, and so that will get him into yeah. all the Grand Slams. Fourth ATP title as well. Had to save match points against against Ima in the semi-finals. Was very good in the clutch moments. Uh, very, very impressed with his uh, overall high level of play. And he was came back from a breakdown against Rusevori today in the final. Set point game. in the first set as well? Yep. So he t- yeah, set, set point safe. Yeah, so he, he sort of battled really hard, uh, especially when there was pressure being put in his serve. I think he got broken something like three times in a row, didn't he, in that final, in the second set. So mm-hmm. um, 
very, very impressed with his level, and hopefully he can sort of have a better run of form now, uh, especially now he's getting into the majors automatically. There'll be less pressure on him to consistently um, play his best stuff, and he doesn't have it. So. Definitely. It's uh, the, start, the, start, the start of his career, isn't it? What, is he only like 34 or something nowadays? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Something a new, like, stand. little tidbit from Damien Coost on Twitter. Mm-hmm. People had accused Joe. Yes, accused, yeah, that's what I saw that had, yeah. yeah, basically it said Joe Souza hadn't won a title against a strong field. So this this title, in fairness, uh, Damien had said the average ranking, I don't know, was around the 60 to, to 70 mark. It, it was actually a little bit weaker. Mm-hmm. But the other three definitely yeah, were he, not weak he beat, fields. He was said. it not Ferrer was in the draw in Valencia, wasn't it, when he won that? Yeah, yeah. he beat Ferrer in Valencia for one, beating all top 50 players mm-hmm. in another one of the titles. Uh, yeah, in Estoril as well, he beat three top fifty players. Kuala Lumpur, mm-hmm. that was the that was for yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, point is, yeah, I mean, he's he's beaten top fifty players regularly when he's 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 winning his two fifties. So, yeah, justice for Joe. Anyway, we'll move on to the second of the ATP two fifty events being played this week in Montpellier, where Alexander Zverev was the top seed, looking to bounce back from his shock destroying open exit against Denis Shapovalov. And a uh, number of storylines from this week, uh, mainly, as we mentioned before, Gail Monfils had an absolute howler after playing such good tennis in Australia. Just had an absolute shocking day at the office against Mikhail Wiener, Elias Ema's brother. Uh, lost in 57 minutes, I believe. Just could mm-hmm. not get going mm-hmm. at all. I'm going to say mental. I, I, like the, 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 the hangover he must have mm-hmm. sort of uh, experienced after Australia, he was so disappointed. You know, he posted that stuff online saying, you know, one day I want to I want to get a slam. That's still a goal of mine. I think it can happen. Just one. You know, I don't want 20. I just want one in my career sort of thing. He obviously thought that was a really good chance. <coughs> felt really disappointed about it. One thing I will say, uh, so after that loss, he, yeah, so he's posted on Twitter about mm-hmm. it, sort of apologising to fans. The fact that he's so much more vocal now yeah. towards fans, I think, online, he wants to be really, he wants to be really open. He wants and, to be positive. And say this is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he wants he wants encouragement. He wants people behind him. You know, that's that, that's if he's actually wants to win a slam. Hmm. Yeah, I think he probably didn't pull out of that event because it was in France. I think he wanted to honour his commitment to playing in his home country. I just think it didn't work from in terms of. I think he might. You're right. He probably was a bit hungover from the Australian Open and the disappointment that he'd suffered there. So the next yeah. one that I've got is Richard Gasquet. A uh, couple of very good wins for him over. Hugo Umber and Sumu Kwon. Uh, what was particularly mm-hmm. impressive about the Umber win, don't know if you saw it, but uh, came back after losing the first set in 85 minutes. Epic first set. Oh, wow, okay. Epic Jeez first oh. set. Um, really interesting, actually, because you'd think that the older player might struggle after losing um, like such a tight first set like that. They could just fall away, but it was the opposite for Gasquet. His level really improved. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was... He was Hitting his backhand better, his serve was, you know, he's hitting his spots in the serve. Maybe not necessarily overpowering Umber with a serve, but we know that Umber's got to work in his return of serve anyway. Um, yes, yes, yeah. So I was about to say that it's like you actually watch Umber and you're like, I don't understand how this guy actually loses tennis matches. Then you matches. watch him with but when you, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, when, you, when you see the stats, you do realize he misses a lot more returns he than does. maybe he should. He does, yeah. yeah. And to um, be fair, I think he had great points at five four in the second set, Umber, and he just he was almost too lackadaisical. He was smiling at his box, you know, in between points. I was like, oh, is, is he really fully? focused and it might sound harsh but yeah. for me I don't believe you don't see likes of Novak or Rafa looking at the box at such a big crucial point in the match and smiling you know what I mean you just don't see that yeah. um 
could just be a lack of discipline or maybe it makes him feel relaxed but didn't work for him anyway. Uh, fair play to Gasquet. And then he backed that one up with a straight sets win over Sumu Kwon. No mean feat, considering mm-hmm. Kwon won his first ATP title last season. On the up as well. Player that not many people so, talk about. Nur Sultan, maybe? Nur Sultan, yeah. Nur Sultan. Yeah. Uh, not many people talk about Kwon, but he's actually, his level's improved as well. So, um, Serve, Serve's got a lot better. He has, um, yeah. He's, so he's, he's, um, he's quite, quite scary from the back of the court at the moment as well. Yeah, he's playing really well, so... Gasquet wasn't able to continue that. He fell in three sets to Mikhail Ima in the quarterfinals, but still a very good week from. Yeah, I, I like. I like. So you've got Gasquet down. I've got uh, Gav's notes for the podcast mm. thing. He's got Gasquet get it down and straight afterwards. He's got Manorino down. It's like the two of them won two matches. Honestly, like when either of those players win any matches, it's like <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of noteworthy, isn't I it? Yeah, it's I think Manorino. Well, who we're going to talk about next? He just like he absolutely destroyed Alejandro Davidovich Fukina. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, he did. He did. Him. Like for Manorino, it's like Manorino's having the year of his life, man. He must be the most annoying player to play against. Though I think he was listening in commentary, he gets his string strung at like fifteen kg, which is I saw eleven. I saw eleven. KG. Eleven to fifteen. Mad. Gee, yeah, it's mental. It's crazy. So a normal player is uh, normal pro players are in twenty two or so. Mm. So yeah, I mean the balls fly off the strings. It's mad. Yeah, it's so so loose. He's got to be so disciplined with his backswing and control the ball and time it perfectly. So he doesn't get enough yeah, credit. It's all, the timing is insane. It really. Yeah, is. so we got. He, I, on you go. I was gonna say you should watch a video of him, like from court level, because mm. the, the amount of height he puts the over the the mm. net is just like it's literally about 10 centimeters or something like on the backhand side in particular. It's just crazy stuff. Yeah, so that that was. Very good week for him. He beat Alejandro Davidovich Fakina and David Goffan in straight sets. David Goffan had a bit of a mare, to be fair, an absolute nightmare. Um, but fair play to Manorino. Okay, we won't talk about his quarterfinal as much because he did only win one game against Verev. Uh, mm-hmm. Love and one, bit of a hiding. It happens with a guy like Manorino, you know what I mean? If you can hit the ball hard enough in the mm. day, then fair enough. You can get like, totally overpowered, not... can't you? That's the problem. So now we're going we're gonna to talk about the finalists. Uh, Zverev had a pretty dominant route throughout the final. Uh, didn't really have any problems. Bublik, on the other hand, fought his way to the final by beating Batista Gu in a final set tie-break. Uh, that was one of his main impressive wins. With Bublik, I always feel he's had the talent, but he's just mentally he's not focused fully on tennis, I feel. Um, you see the underarm serves. Of course, You yeah. see him sort of interacting with the crowd. Sort of similar to Kyrgios, but not as bad as Kyrgios. Works for some players. It though. does, and it's good to see him winning a title. I just hope he continues to sort of put the effort and mentality and focus that he had this week uh, into the rest of the season. Yeah. We talk about the final itself. Public served very well, first of all, but also it sort of exposed where Zverev was sort of struggling to deal with the public drop shot. You know, Zverev was playing from far behind the baseline. Public would often mm-hmm. just play a drop shot, bring him forward, and then sort of either pass him or lob him, and uh, it was becoming quite quite an issue, especially in the second set. So, yeah, Bublik, Interesting. Bublik sort of exposed Verev's lack of variety or lack of being able to cope with sort of a tactical change, uh, which I thought was very he's impressive. Not mega, he's, still, he's still not mega comfortable in the net. He's not, he's not. But he was sort of being, you could tell he was sort of being rushed in. You know, he, sort of like, he wasn't expecting Bublik to play the drop shot. He wasn't expecting him to sort of bring him into the net. Hit quite, hit quite a few passing shots against him as well. So it was sort of like yeah. exposed to sort of net play slash general tactical awareness um i think those comments yeah. that zverev said about there being a new big three in tennis is sort of coming back to haunt him a wee bit 
Yeah. Well, not a wee bit, yeah. massively, really. really. Uh, I, I must yeah. admit, when you said that, I sort of put my head in my hands, thinking, "Don't, don't put yourself under unnecessary pressure." I know. There's yeah, certainly enough pressure on you as much as there is, you know, at the moment. He's not winning himself any fans saying that. He's well, not. Definitely. He's not. But he didn't have many fans to begin with, anyway. Let's be honest with the whole not allegations. Uh, <laughs> he's true. losing fans, if that's possible for him. So on to Cordoba now. I must admit, this is the one event. It seems to be a nightmare to follow because they don't stream any matches. It's on it bad time in the evening as well to watch them but I've seen mm-hmm. some highlights first of all we're going to talk about Alejandro Tabilo now he's the final still to be played in fact the final's just about to start I think yeah. he's in the final and he beat Diego Schwartzman en route to the final yesterday in the semi-finals so um, he came through what, what do we think what do we think for a quick prediction before we dive into anything else well you got youth versus experience haven't you it's sort of similar to the Alcaraz Ramos for your last the mag final of last year I think I'm going for Tabilo I'm going for Tabilo Okay, well, I'm going for Ramos Vinolas. That's fine. I'll go for I'll go for Ramos Vinolas. In my notes, I've just put Albert Ramos Vinolas underrated on clay. Yeah, I'm underrated. <laughs> yeah, no. underrated. yeah, no, yeah, that's true. Uh, I'll I'll give him straight uh, straight sets definitely. I I just, I just think yeah, not quite ready. You know, it's first first final and stuff. But I mean, yeah, we'll get. We'll, let's talk about why he's such a good player, and then you know we can we can pitch that case as well. Yeah, well, I'm just to be very impressed with his ability to deal with the crowd yesterday against Diego Schwartzman, number one seed uh, favorite for yeah. winning the title. Obviously, crowd favorite as well because he's from Argentina, home favorite. But uh, no, I'm very impressed with Tabilo's forehand in particular, serving forehand. I think he's very very. Effective player, special in the play. Big server as he's well. Big serve, he? Yeah, he does have a big serve. Yeah, he's a big, big guy. Like what, six one or so. so yeah, he's got a solid six serve. Two maybe. But I think, yeah, his ability to deal with the pressure yesterday was very impressive for such a young age. I think yeah. he will be top fifty by the end of the season. That's my prediction. I think he'll have a good clay court season. I don't know what you think. Yeah, Might be he, a bit bold, but no, no, no. He's got he's got a lot of um, parts that just need to get a bit better. Definitely, like he's got potential if that makes sense. So like he's he's got a big enough game. I, I definitely maybe top fifty is a bit too much to ask at this point because I don't I've not seen any results off the clay yet that have amazed me. He's still a he's good got player. The talent. So I think he's, he's got the potential for top fifty. Whether he does that, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it does depend on these ATP two fifties. When you are ranked low, you're going to get some bad draws now and again, aren't you? So it might not be a quick yeah. rise. It might be a sort of. I think. For a player like Dubio, the golden swing will be very important. Mm. Obviously, yeah, he's going to pick up a lot of rankings. This, this is the start. This is the start of the golden swing, I guess. Isn't it is, it, actually? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think you know he, he could do really well, definitely over the next few tournaments. When I see these Leo and stuff mm-hmm. like that, hundred percent. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's got potential for sure. And that win against Schwartzman definitely a really good one. I would say facing Ramos Vinolas, obviously, as you say, as you have said here, underrated on clay, the guy does tend to beat players lower ranked than him, I think, and not really beat many players higher ranked than him. The only one I can think of is when he beat Andy in Monte Carlo. That was an absolute shit show. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Andy was like four love up in the last He was, yeah. He came back like very that. well. <laughs> yeah, that was a stupid match. So ignore yeah, yeah, that I one. Think, I think uh, he's very good at sort of, you're right, sort of beating players that are below him and round about his level. Yeah. He's you know, very solid player. I mean, he made the final new mag last year, for example. So he's regularly at the clay court events that your clay court two fifties that he plays and he very rarely has a poor run of results, you know what I mean? He's always so he had a good win this week over Lorenzo Sonego as well. Straight sets win seven six, seven five. Sonego obviously yeah, being I mean, an accomplished clay court player, made the semi finals in Rome yeah. and he won the title in uh Sardinia last year as well, singles and doubles. Yes. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I 
I, I think uh, my summary of Ramos Vinoas is he's probably been ranked 44 in the world mm. for like five years. isn't he? Like, except without the dipping form, he's sort of similar. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, it's just like another 250 final for Ramos Vinoas mm. to so- solidify that number 44 <laughs> ranking. He's just. <laughs> yeah, he's got his good run. He'll just be there forever, honestly. Uh, he's a good player, obviously, but yeah. Um, I also think uh, for free to be left-handed, left-hand. so maybe that maybe that gets sort of underpowered a bit against a fellow lefty in the in the final. Maybe yeah, that's a good point know. actually. But I think with Tabilo, I'm just going for because I think if you beat the number one seed in the semis, okay, some people say it's difficult to back it up, but I think on the contrary, it gives you confidence, you know, massive amount of confidence yeah. that you can do it against that caliber player. So that's why I'm I'm being bold. I'm going for Tabilo. Whether that's okay. gonna manifest itself or not probably won't knowing my luck with predictions but anyway other talking points Christian Garin uh, lost in the opening round to Sebastian Baez comfortably in the end even though he took the first set he lost the last yeah. two sets 6-1 6-1 double breadstick yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's sort of uh, usually one of these players that takes advantage of the, the golden swing as well he's definitely yeah, well, Pete Garin time it's definitely. Pete Garin time it's, it sounds yeah. harsh to say that Christian but, Garin's come out of hibernation but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough. He made enough. the fourth round of Wimbledon last year. <laughs> lost, Fucking lost hell, did he? I completely, I completely forgot lost that. Did he lose to Medvedev? Novak. Or... Novak. Novak. Oh, yeah, yes, they did. Typical four, three and four, I think, but yeah. Yeah. What? Okay. That, that uh, fair enough. Very, Fine. I saw very it. harsh on Christian Gary. You won't be coming <laughs> in this podcast I... now. It's kind of fair enough. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Baez, obviously, I mean, another one of those guys you could lump into the same sort of category as Tabio, probably the sort of name you're going to see in the top 100 for years to come. Yeah, definitely. Very well Baez, as well. completely different player, though, obviously, a lot, very similar, you know, the similarity. I'm sure we've talked about it in the, in the past, in the past in this podcast, but the similarities to Schwartzman are, are, are you know, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Like, same sort of height, same sort of rally temperament. Yep. Uh, you know, not as big ground strokes for sure mm-hmm. at this point in his career but you know definitely potential to get bigger and bigger so yeah yeah could be dangerous definitely speaking of hibernation that comes quite well into my next point of Juan Ignacio Londero who is uh he was given a wild card into the draw this week he was the inaugural winner of the event uh, in Cordoba and he reached mm, yeah he? he reached the semi-finals uh this week obviously lost to Ramos Vinulas but still very good performance considering he wasn't in that uh good a form on the plus side, uh, he did reach the fourth round of Roland Garros in 2019, so he can play in clay, so we shouldn't be that surprised, but it is a surprise because he's not been in form. Good to see him doing well. Uh, justified his wild card, certainly. Uh, and we're going to finish with sort of two opening round defeats. Uh, the first one, maybe not so surprising, Benoit Pair, because it's Benoit Pair. I think that's enough said there. <laughs> we, we, I'm talking about being blind, I've just totally yeah, put the boot in, but it is Benoit Pair. I think listeners will probably think, yeah, Benoit Pair. He can be good, he can be bad, he can be shocking, he can be great. Mm-hmm. That's been my He's like a box of chocolates, you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, mm-hmm. And sort of another one to sort of justify my point about why I thought Gasquet might sort of lose his match after dropping that 85 minute opening set. Vadasco lost in the opening round to Baez, and the first set there was like 90 minutes. Like 7 6 6 1. Really? 90 yeah, minutes? Something Blue. like that, yeah. It was Pete Vadasco. Jeez, oh. Love it. I love to see people. Pete Pete Vardasco, Vardasco, one of my favorite yeah, players to watch. Rephrase that was Pete Vadasco for ninety minutes. Then it sort of dropped off a cliff. But you know, Vadasco. So in the in the group of players that everybody loves, mm. Monfils, Delpo, 
Verdasco. Who doesn't, doesn't love Verdasco? Especially the way he told yeah. Kokonakis' coach to pretty much shut up during Miami. Don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I swear, I've not seen not that. I've not seen it. Oh, no, I have. I have. I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, he was raging. Yeah, of course, Andy yeah. fans will like him because he came, obviously Andy came back to set Slav down against him at Wimbledon in 2013 in the quarters, so... He was, he's quite nice to Andy as well. He quite likes Andy, yeah. so he obviously hasn't held a grudge for that match. Yes, I forgot about mm. that. Maybe that's secretly why I love him. It probably is secretly why I love him. So, yeah. that sums up this week's action. Uh, but we've got a couple of things to, to get through before we finish. First of all, the week ahead, we've got Rotterdam, ATP 500 event. Andy Murray's playing in that, and given a wild card. Uh, top seed is Stefano Tsitsipas. We've got Buenos Aires, which is sort of Del Potro's swan song as it were, or we hope it's not a swan song, but it looks like it will be a swan song. And mm-hmm. St. Petersburg, which is the main women's event, WTA Tour returns again this week. Uh, so that's what we've got to look forward to. Before we finish, we'll do the Andy Murray reaction to his announcement that he's going to prioritise Wimbledon over Roland Garros, and he's not going to play Roland Garros. First of all, did you expect that? Not at all. No, not at all. Uh, I, do you know I don't know. I think... Uh, Part of the, this the staple of Andy's comeback in general is just like dogged mm. stubbornness. So things that don't make sense, he just does anyway. So I kind of thought, yeah, fuck it, play clay. You know what? Just losing every first round. I'm just happy he didn't take the Roger Federer approach of I'll do a week in Paris. It was almost like a holiday. Oh, I'll play that tournament in Paris. And I just now just bug it off. Still, yeah, I think smart move from Andy. Definitely, definitely smart. Move. Definitely and smart move. I think yeah. for his career to preserve his career, I know I've been quite negative about this in terms of I think he should focus on doubles. But uh, yeah, I think if he wants to play singles, this is this is a nice compromise, Gav. It is. Definitely. It is. It's smart tennis. It's smart smart move for his career. I think he needs to be in the frame of mind that he needs to finish off points quicker. Now that's not going to happen in clay. You know, that's just no. not not going to happen. So, Definitely not. And uh, every single time Clay gets mentioned and Andy in the same sentence, I just think back to that stand match what, in the French Open uh, in 2020. Is, I thought you were going to yeah, say Monte, that, Monte Carlo 2013, where Stan blew him off the court. No, no, no. no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Andy Andy can play, you know, at the, the top of his form yeah. and Clay can get completely destroyed. So, what do you think about that match at the French Open? That was mm. absolutely disastrous. So Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sort of a Stan fanboy, so I'll sort of happy to see Stan do well but but yeah um <laughs> Pretty safe, yeah so for his career to preserve his career I think that's a smart decision um obviously he's working again with uh Danny Valverde Danny Valverde yeah so that'll be good to see how that turns out Danny's had a bit of experience to be fair himself you know I think mm-hmm. it could be a more fruitful partnership than the first time he's, he's you know well he's been with Stan he's as still well, working with Stan yeah still with helping Stan out oh yeah still working with Stan yeah, yeah Stan yeah, hitting so. Back in the court this week for the first time in a while, hitting some backhands, uh, which is always good to see. But uh, nice. what was it about cool. these tournament press uh-huh. conferences, pre pre tournament press conferences, just to drop a couple of bombshells? You had the Del Potro one, and you sort of had Murray today. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. why? Need to keep a it's, keep it's, an eye on that. It's going to be a busy week as well, actually. Uh, all of these stories to to. Will, sort of will you be staying up for Delpo? That's the question. I'll stay up for Delpo. I'll stay up for yeah. Delpo. Should have like a Delpo watch party. Yeah, definitely. Sure, definitely for that. <laughs> Probably won't be in prime, but uh, I, I'd buy a tennis TV prescription, prescription subscription, not a prescription. 
Fair enough. Exactly. Yeah, tennis has got a nice prescription. Yeah. Watch the Dill Boris ball toss. You'll be needing another prescription. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be good. Uh, so anyway, that's just about all I think that's happened this week. Thank you very much for yeah. listening. You can find Jack's stuff on it's a jackedward.substack, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, yeah, some nice. very good analysis in there. Analysis that would make Mark Petty cry happy tears. And uh, you can find <laughs> nice. my stuff on Last Word on Tennis if you want to put yourself to that. That is, I'm doing some predictions in Rotterdam so you can leave a comment slagging me or agreeing with me or just leave a philosophical comment if you want, whatever. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. And we will see you next week. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Okay.